just starting out your restaurant food business? A checklist is coming up for you of what you need to know when looking for your approved food sources. And summer barbecues? Find out how to keep your food in temperature. And later on, a look at autonomous food delivery. We know that prepping for inspection is a tall order, and that's why Food Ops is here to help. Hey, I'm Becca. And I'm Derek. And this is Food Ops. Hey, Derek. Hey, Becca. Hey. Um, in your other jobs, did you ever have the opportunity to clean an ice cream machine? To clean one? No. I have never cleaned an ice cream machine. Have you? Why, yes, I have. Oh. <laughs> How'd that go? It was a pain. It was simple, but it was a pain. Really? Yes. We had to carry these large buckets of water, pour it into the machine. We had to drain the machine of all the excess frozen yogurt. Yeah. It was a pain. Oh. So I bring that up because there is a popular fast food that has a cleaning system that apparently has been circumvented. Have you heard of that? I don't think so. Well, so I was wondering what happens when a machine doesn't get properly cleaned. It's just ice cream. And it's not even real ice cream. <laughs> I mean. Well, just because it's not real ice cream doesn't mean that it can't grow harmful bacteria, which is what would happen if the machine wasn't cleaned properly. Especially the nozzles and where the ice cream comes out. Because there, it's not really kept in temperature, and it's exposed to air, and that's where most of the slime mold begins to grow. Slime mold? Yeah, slime mold. Can you give any detail about that? Uh, it's usually pinkish in color. Yeah. And, yeah, it just grows there, and it looks slimy, mm -hmm. and it can just be transferred into the food as it comes out, and then... Eat it. <laughs> so, yeah, clean the nozzles, clean the inside of the machine. Don't circumvent the cleaning procedure. Yeah, no. So I'm I'm glad that you cleaned, uh, cleaned the machines when you had the opportunity. Machines, typically now, you just push a button and it does the cleaning procedure for you. Like you don't have to take the top off probably like you did when you worked at the restaurant dump the sanitizer solution in the top and and maybe push another button or let the machine run and then get the collection bucket and collect the the runoff as it comes through the machine it just you just push a button and it does all that internally today for those in the restaurant food industry we have a checklist Find out some things that you need to know when you are receiving your food. Derek, let's talk about those approved food sources. Okay. What should a manager look for when they're receiving food? Oh, well, that's a good question. So foods that are received by the restaurant, whether they're in the form of whole foods ready to eat or ingredients that are going to be used in the restaurant's own menu, it's important for the manager to have a system in place when they receive those foods from their food delivery trucks. 
So generally speaking, the the operator should have written procedures for when uh, the foods are received in their at their restaurant. Those procedures should include, first of all, cross-referencing what they've ordered with what is being delivered. That's pretty basic. The second aspect should be not leaving the deliveries unattended. So typically, a food delivery driver is going to have access to the back door, bring in the food, dump it on the floor, and probably get a signature for the invoice and then leave. It's really easy for the manager and the food business to forget about those food delivery items, those boxes, and they'll be sitting in the back for a good length of time before they can get put in the refrigerator or verified. So number one, they shouldn't be left unattended for very long. Number two, the delivery condition should be checked for all the food items. So you're going to look for tampering of any food items. You're going to look for discoloration of the food itself, whether it's produce, meat, dairy, whatever it is. That's one of the aspects to check. You're also going to look at the packages to see if there's any pinholes in it. So pinholes could be evidence of tampering or possible contamination. And then you're going to look for unusual packages in addition to contamination issues. Do you find that you've come across pinholes and tampering and concerns of that nature? Not really. Not during the inspection process because uh, oftentimes we don't, we're not in the restaurant or food facility when the deliveries are being made. But, you know, it's a, it's a possibility. It should just be one of the aspects of, of delivery checking. So we're going to cross-check our order with what actually was delivered. And then secondly, we're not going to leave our items unattended for long. And you were talking about the amount of time that items are left unchecked and then, and then checking the quality of the food. Right. And that kind of goes into one of the most important parts about receiving food is if the food is potentially hazardous, you want to make sure that it's received in proper temperature. So received food that is cold held, potentially hazardous foods can be received at 45 degrees or below. So you want to check the temperature of the food because this is the time where you can reject the food from your food service provider if the food's out of temperature. If the food's like at 55 degrees, when you receive it, that's the time that you should tell the driver, I'm not accepting this. This is out of temperature. Look, I'm verifying it. And if you leave that food unattended after the delivery driver has gone, then you've lost your chance for returns. Plus the food just continues to sit out of temperature. Same thing with hot-held food. It should be verified that it's being maintained at 135 or above. One thing that managers want to keep track of are the invoices for food because inspectors will want to oftentimes cross-check the invoices with the food that is being delivered. Sometimes that's the only way to verify the source of the food is through invoices. And if the source of the food can't be verified, then sometimes it will have to be discarded, have to be impounded. So that kind of takes us to the last aspect, and that is food facilities should only be using approved food sources. When the operator is ordering from a food vendor for the first time, the operator needs to verify the permit status of that food vendor. They verify that permit status with that regulatory agency that oversees the manufacturing of that product. So if I'm a business owner and I'm asking for verification, what exactly should I expect from that vendor? 
you should expect a permit from a regulatory agency such as USDA, FDA, CDFA. So there's a regulatory agency for different processes of foods and different types of foods. For example, the USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, they're responsible for raw and processed meat and poultry. So let's say as a restaurant operator, you want to specialize in certain types of meats, maybe exotic meats. Well, in doing your research for food purveyors that supply that exotic meat, it's your responsibility to make sure that it comes from a USDA inspected facility. So that meat is going to be inspected and have a stamp on it, USDA. But you, but before you receive the meat, you're going to ask for their permit. You said USDA is responsible for raw and processed meats. What about the FDA? FDA, U.S. Food and Drug Administration, they are kind of a, responsible for foods that are not regulated by the USDA. So other other processed foods that aren't that aren't meats, aren't poultry, then they're going to oversee that. And then the CDFA, you said? Right. The CDFA, California Department of Food and Agriculture, they are going to have jurisdiction over, uh, just in the state of California, over milk and dairy products, game animals, eggs, and retail processing of like sausage and chorizo. Now that's specific to California Department of Food and Agriculture. Other states may have their own uh, Department of Food and Ag. What about if, if I'm receiving my food from a local farmer? You've heard of those farm-to-table type restaurants? Yes. Or if I'm receiving ingredients that are more vegan-friendly, non-dairy milk, tofu, items like that. So CDFA will still oversee production of um, some non-dairy beverages or non-dairy items. Those could primarily be overseen by the FDA. Food and Drug Administration. It could also be overseen by California Department of Public Health Food and Drug Branch, which is a state agency. Um, and those are going to be foods not regulated by USDA, but they're processed or distributed in California. So each state may have its own department that regulates certain things, and then the FDA can cover a large majority of manufacturing processes throughout the U.S. And then as far as like farm-to-table ingredients and other whole produce that you may want to source locally, those farmers will be registered as a certified producer, and that's going to be through California Department of Food and Agriculture, the CDFA, and then they'll get a producer's certificate and those producers are often the same producers that sell at certified farmers markets, but they can also sell directly to restaurants. And even certain agencies have their own permit called a community producer, which gives them uh, authority to sell whole produce on a community scale that's still grown in the community. And then it's more of a, a locally regulated uh type of a food product. And now let's say that there's a specialty rancher who specializes in more exotic meats, say bison or ostrich. Mm. What's the process for receiving their, their product? Well, that local rancher would also have to go through the proper inspection agencies, the meat inspection agencies specifically, USDA. 
I have been on several complaint investigations onto local ranchers' farms where they're selling meat directly to the public without being inspected. So even small local ranchers would need to go through the inspection process through the USDA in order to sell their exotic meats to restaurants or other retail food outlets. It can be done, um, but they can't sell it directly from their ranch. It would need to go to an inspected facility and make sure to get that seal of approval before it goes to the restaurant. Derek, I think many can agree that we love a good barbecue. Definitely. Sometimes that means keeping the food outside. So uncooked meat or cooked meat. Um, And then items like coleslaw, salads, and beans help us keep our food in temp when we are barbecuing outside. Yeah, because oftentimes uh, a lot of time will go by, you know, if you have a food set up outside on a table and you're enjoying each other's company and then you could be out there for several hours and then come back to the food and it's not really in the same temperature that it should be. And uh, it's a a common cause for foodborne illnesses. So it's definitely important to keep that food in proper temperatures. You know, even if you cover it and put it in the refrigerator uh, after a short time, you can always keep it in an ice bath. Um, Foods that are grilled can be kept on the grill and kept at 135 degrees or warmer after it's been cooked um, or rapidly cooled in the refrigerator. But you you do want to maintain at least 41 degrees or below for cold-held foods and then 135 degrees or above for hot-held foods. And then when you're cooking the, the steaks and the briskets and the roasts, You definitely want to make sure to get that internal temperature reached. And if you're doing a a brisket low and slow, use your internal probe thermometer. Make sure it hits 130 after so many hours. And then uh, that's when it's the juiciest. And I've heard fat side down is the best way in the smoker. Fat side down. That's my motto. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) It's probably best. (laughs) How long does it take to get food out of temp? So let's say I have a coleslaw sitting outside and it's 85 to 95 degrees outside. How long will it take that coleslaw to get out of temp? Oh, to get out of temp? Um, probably less than half an hour. doesn't mean it's bad because it's still going to take time for bacteria to grow once it gets out of temperature. But you don't want it to be out of temperature for longer than four hours because then the exponential growth of the bacteria starts to occur and that's when it can make you sick. So if you're, if you know you're going to not have any leftovers after four hours or maybe throw the leftovers away, you can keep something out of temperature for four hours and still eat it. But if it's left out all day, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. Hey Derek. So in now trending, there is an autonomous vehicle that delivers pizza in an unmanned vehicle. We may or may not have mentioned it once before, but it delivers pizza. It's been tested in three major cities. Oh, a little self-driving car that delivers the pizza hot and fresh. Right. It's the R2 Neuro. Oh, okay. Yeah. So apparently cities in Arizona, Texas, and California have been testing it out. What I'm wondering about this is how can they maintain the food safety guidelines for that pizza? 
Well, I haven't seen one up close, but I can imagine it wouldn't be too difficult to have some sort of a electric hot box inside the car, keeping the food at uh, 135 or higher. And then somehow the customer accesses the pizza safely? I suppose, probably. Once it's at the right location, it probably can allow access to a certain part of the vehicle. So the customer can just uh, reach in and get it. It's what I'm imagining. I haven't seen one up close. I've seen the commercial, though. That's all. Apparently, the the car uh, uses sensors, LiDAR. Okay. And I was looking at this video of it, and the the car notices obstacles, and then it identifies live obstacles with like a hotspot feature. Right. The pizza is accessed by a unique code given to the customer. Oh, okay. But I don't know if they deliver multiple deliveries in one outing. I would think that they, they would, that it could be capable of that. It doesn't seem too efficient for just one outing. Right. Yeah. And so then to maintain food safety, that customer would need to get only their food. Right. There's probably some sort of uh, security feature inside where only one pizza is accessible at one time. Maybe there's a, a larger hot box and then it kind of, well, actually what I'm kind of envisioning is just like this rotation, rotisserie of hot boxes that kind of turn to the door. Like the a ac- rotating vending machine yeah. apparatus. Yeah, and then the access, it rotates it to the access door at that address and then that's the only one that is accessible to the customer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It sounds good to me. <laughs> That's how I would make it. We'll need to check it out. Yeah. I look forward to the unmanned car that allows us to put our dog inside and zip him off to the groomer and send him back. (laughs) That would be nice. Hey, have you heard of ghost kitchens? That doesn't sound like it's for me. That doesn't sound like it's for me at all. (laughs) Not haunted kitchens. (laughs) Ghost kitchens. There's a difference. No, no, no. What's a ghost kitchen? Well, so really quickly, ghost kitchen is the popular term for a shared kitchen now. So you have a shared kitchen where you where multiple um, operators work out of. Now, there's a, it, they're calling it a ghost kitchen basically because there's no indoor seating. It's all for delivery only. But multiple, you could have multiple operators working out of this one kitchen. It's the old concept of the food court without the court. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they have, you know, different types of food operators out of the one kitchen and you just, and then you just order for delivery only. That would be pretty handy because then your R2 could pull up to your house with your multiple orders from different places, from different kitchens, which is actually one ghost kitchen. And it could all arrive at the same time in the R2. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. We've got it all worked out. Got it all worked out. All different types of food in the R2 from one location, from one ghost kitchen. That's it. That's the future right there. Plus a well-groomed dog at the same time. Oh, goodness. We hope this episode has been helpful to you and that you've walked away knowing more about what to look for when you are receiving food from your food vendors. Remember to keep those foods in temp as you are preparing your spring and summer barbecues. And then finally, we look forward to autonomous food delivery in the upcoming 
Neuro R2 vehicles. It's all been right here at Food Ops. I'm Becca. And I'm Derek. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>